Fan Ramen. Who's hungry? Welcome to Fan Ramen. The official podcast of Black Ramen. We're a hungry rock band who writes epic music for film and games. And we're here to read your fan fiction. I'm Lindy. May I take your order? I'm Ralph. Hi. Junmai Daigincho Kurasai. Behind the board is our dark shadow. And silent but deadly partner. The, the sound, sound guy, guy Kevin. Kevin. I brought my cowboy hat. To a, to a podcast? Yes. <laughs> I'm not even voice acting as a cowboy today. I'm doing my this to help you. Me? Get into character. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't bring my gun. What? You know how I get when I'm excited. Yeah, you get murderous. This fic features swords and throwing knives and revolvers. Oh, revolvers. I like revolvers a lot better than uh, semi-automatics. They're much more reliable. <laughs> yeah. This is a killer idea for a crossover. Lord of the Rings meets Red Dead Redemption. Oh, hell yes, please. Nice. Okay, well, this fic is called An Outlaw's Redemption by Angry Lil Elf. This fic is on fanfiction.net, and you can also find a link in our show notes. Make sure you follow Angry Little Elf on fanfiction.net. Arthur is given a second chance and is sent to a world unknown to better help its future. But has Arthur really changed? Or will he fall back into his old habits of being a killer and a thief? <gasps> Arthur woke up with a sharp gasp and intake of air. Breathing rapidly, he looked around. It was nighttime and the stars shone overhead while the moon gleamed like a shining silver coin in the sky. Another look told Arthur he was not in Roanoke Ridge, so what he thought was a dream was very real. Standing to his feet, Arthur brushed himself and looked ahead of him. In the distance, he could see a large dilapidated ruin and the distant glow of a fire. Cautious, but hopeful for the sight of possible human company, Arthur strode forward towards the ruins and the distant fire looking to find some answers as to where the hell he was. Then, as Arthur was within a short distance of the rune, the frantic yelling of someone was heard. Put it out! Put it out, you fool! Put it out! Then another voice was heard. Oh, that's nice. Ash on my tomatoes. The voice complained, to which Arthur raised an eyebrow. Someone thought it would be a good idea to have a fry-up when it was clear they were being hunted. Then a loud, shrill, blood-curdling screech rang out into the night. Arthur's hand reflexively drew his Schofield. Whatever made that sound didn't sound friendly at all. Then Arthur spied five black-hooded figures, each armed with swords, which made Arthur raise an eyebrow. Then some frantic yells were heard, for a moment made to turn around and walk away from this, but... Some nagging feeling told him that these black-hooded strangers weren't friendly, and whomever it was they were hunting needed help. Ah, shit. Arthur cursed lowly as he began to search for a way up the rune. The black-robed men had already found a way up. Cocking his Schofield, Arthur prepared to face whatever it was that awaited him. As Arthur ran up the spiraling stairway, he could hear the yell of, Back, you devils! followed by the ringing of steel. 
urging himself faster, Arthur neared the top of the steps when he heard a yell of pain and agony. Oh! Gritting his teeth in anger, Arthur reached the top of the steps to witness the scene. Four children, at least that's what Arthur thought them to be, were scattered. One had its shoulder pierced by a dagger wielded by one of the black-robed men. Looking at the black-robed men, Arthur was surprised that there was only a black void where their faces were. Deciding not to question, Arthur aimed his Schofield at the one that had stabbed one of the children and fired. A loud crack and bang broke the night sky, drowning the screams of anguish from the wounded child. The bullet hit the dagger-wielding man-thing in the shoulder, causing it to give an inhuman screech. Its fellows all snapped their heads to where Arthur stood, and Arthur swiveled his aim towards them. Time seemed to slow down as Arthur held his Schofield at his hip and fanned the hammer with his offhand, firing four rounds into the robed figures. Each bullet hit them in the chest or the shoulder, knocking them back, staggering them. Swiveling his gun back at the dagger-wielding figure, Arthur fired his last round at where the thing's heart would be. This staggered the robed figure back, making it screech again. Arthur opened his gun to reload, but the strangest thing happened. As he opened the Schofield to expel the used cartridges, the used round only popped halfway before each one glowed slightly, pushing themselves back in one at a time. Arthur felt the weight of fresh rounds in his gun again before closing up the Schofield and prepared to aim again. But one of the robed figures seemingly recovered, no worse for wear, but appeared to be extremely annoyed as it stalked towards Arthur with its sword raised. Shit! Arthur cursed as he avoided an overhead swing from the robed figure's sword, a sharp clang ringing out as the blade hit the stone ground. Slamming the handle of his Schofield into the figure's head, Arthur then prepared to fire a round into the thing's face when another of the robed figures grabbed him by the arm and threw him to the side. <clears throat> Arthur grunted as he hit the stone floor, his Schofield knocked from his grasp. The robed figure who threw Arthur to the ground raised its sword, the tip pointed down towards Arthur's heart. A feeling of panic filled Arthur's heart as he realized that he was about to die again. A loud yell broke Arthur's train of thought. A man with dark flowing hair, wielding a long sword in one hand and brandishing a flaming brand in the other, leapt over Arthur. Suddenly realizing he wasn't about to die, Arthur grabbed his Schofield and quickly stood to his feet. The man who rescued Arthur was clashing his sword against the robed men, swinging his burning brand into their long black robes, setting them ablaze, making them scream, fleeing and dropping over the sides of the room. Arthur watched in awe as his rescuer took care of the robed figure, but one of the remaining robed men approached the four children. Without missing a beat, the stranger spun around and hurled his brand like a throwing knife and the burning end stuck itself firmly into the robed figure's face, setting it alight as it fled. Arthur sighed in relief and holstered his gun. When he turned around, he saw the tip of the man's sword pointed at his face. What the hell? Strider looked at the stranger before him, his eyes hard and unrelenting. 
The stranger was garbed in a manner different than most men, but his skin tone didn't suggest he was from the East. Then there was the man's many weapons. They didn't match anything Strider knew of, and he had briefly witnessed the man use one of them on the Nazgul. The loud cracks of thunder were made every time the man used his strange little weapon, appearing to injure each Nazgul when they were hit by something. Some kind of projectile, although what kind, Strider could not ascertain. This how you greet folk around here? The stranger asked in a slightly annoyed tone. The man's accent was clearly foreign. It was almost a drawl. Strider prepared to ask the stranger who he was when Samwell shouted, Strider! Looking to the halflings, the Dunedain ranger saw Frodo was injured and in great pain, clutching the wound on his shoulder. Running over to examine the halfling, Strider spied the weapon that caused the injury. Holding the dagger up to examine it, the blade crumbled to dust, but it was enough to tell Strider what it was. He's been stabbed by a Morgul blade. The Dunedain said grimly and tossed the hilt aside and picked Frodo up. This is beyond my skill to heal. He needs elvish medicine if he is to survive. He stated. Looking back at the stranger, Strider said to him, Thank you for your aid, stranger. You need any more help? The stranger offered. Pretty sure those things will be coming back, he said. Strider silently debated on what to say. On one hand, the stranger had come to the halfling's aid, but on the other, they had no way of knowing if this stranger was a friend or not. Deciding to risk it, Strider said to him, Very well, but if you seek to harm us, I will not hesitate to kill you. The stranger gave a chuckle before saying, Well, let's get going. What is your name, stranger? Arthur. Arthur Morgan. Come. We must get to Rivendell. Strider said, hefting Frodo into his arms. Mm. We're six days from Rivendell. Samwise cried out. He'll never make it. Hold on, Frodo. Strider whispered to the halfling in his arms, while Arthur Morgan kept pace with him, holding one of his strange weapons in his arms. The next fan fiction features a sword. I brought my sword. Shut up. You don't own a sword. <laughs> Not yet, but have you seen our merch? Mm -hmm. We're selling tons of stuff online now. Nice. Hey, Ralph, can you check to see if we're selling swords? I think we are. Hey, Wendy. Yeah. We are not selling swords. Oh. But we are selling journals, t-shirts, and wireless phone chargers. Check out our merch at our website, www.fanramen.com. We will not be selling swords. At least not, not for a while. You can also check out our Patreon, where we have outtakes, bloopers, and behind-the-scenes interviews. Hey, Kevin. Yeah? Ralph's making really inappropriate gestures. <laughs> Ralph is an inappropriate gesture. <laughs> we want to read your fan fiction. Submit your stories to fanramenpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website on more directions on how to submit. The next fic is called The Dread Pirate Roberts. It's a Princess Bride fanfic from Frogman128. Check out our link in the show notes to give the story kudos on Archive of Our Own. Hey, it's time to show your grog blossom and cleave the story to the brisket.
Early bird anglers and their sons left their homes towards the port, bringing buckets of chum and readying their nets and boats. They were unintimidated by the frozen waters of the coast, for it was a routine they knew by heart. All the while, their wives and mothers prayed for their well-being from the boardwalk. Storms were commonplace during the season, and tragedy always seemed to strike when most unexpected. From afar, a young boy sat and stared at the departure of the fisherman, his gaze dark-eyed and dispassionate. The boy sat on his own in the cold ground, playing with a stick he had picked up from the ground on his way to the port. He remained there until the last vessel disappeared into the horizon. After a moment, the boy stood up and proceeded with his own routine, one he was forced to adopt for some time now. With each puppet-like step, the boy approached the edges of the port town and headed for its rocky eastern cliff. Dad, Inigo's not dead, is he? A young boy said, interrupting his father's narration. The man sat by the side of the bed, holding a couple of freshly printed sheets of paper. Of course he's not. Why would you think that? Replied the man in an almost surprised manner. His son stared at him, dumbfounded. I mean, I'm pretty sure an ego can't breathe underwater, said the boy, earning a hearty chuckle from his father. <laughs> Why would I kill off the only remaining character from the original story? That makes no sense replied the man, exaggeratedly gesturing as if it were an inconceivable thought. So he's alive? The boy continued to question, furrowing his brows in an attempt to draw out an answer from his amused father. You will see soon enough, said the man, a mocking undertone glazing his words. The boy harumphed huh. and fell silent upon hearing his father's cryptic response, allowing the man to return to his narration once more. The rocky east side beaches of Fitcherdorf had never been anything special to the boy ever since he had first laid his eyes on them. He much preferred to leave right away on fishing trips with his father in order to be the first ones catching the morning haul. They had always been the first to leave and the first to arrive, the pride of the town. Fanfare surrounded the two as soon as their sweaty selves and sunburned faces arrived at the boardwalk. His mother would welcome them waiting to transform their catch into a hearty chowder. He used to call it an act of magic before he knew the word, much less the meaning of it. As much as his mother's cooking had lost most of its quality over the years, it was still enough to keep him going during the odd errands and occasional adventure at the rocky shores. However, the memories of fresh seafood made his recent breakfast seem like a distant memory. He went and took a small detour from the usual path to the cliffside, all the while trying to ignore the gurgling sounds of his stomach. The boy soon arrived at a coastal meadow near the rock formations. Bright and reddish-tinted berry bushes adorned the lush green scenery. They were not as good as they looked, far from it. He learned that the hard way, the first time he made the mistake of gorging down a hazardous amount after tiring from chasing grasshoppers in the hills. Still, as with all things in life, he got used to them. They were an acquired taste. An acidic, downright sulfuric one. But a taste, nevertheless. Once he bit into his third berry, 
something that had been nagging him in the corner of his eye for a while now finally overtook his attention. Despite not having ventured into the ocean for quite some time, he still knew it like the back of his hand, from the tiniest of seashells to the largest of waves. He knew his song by heart, and something was terribly off-tune that day. The nagging feeling became a blinding light from the coast. There was no wave that could reflect such radiance that much he knew. Wiping his face with his tattered shirt, he rose up and picked up the pace to investigate. Hunger no longer impeding him, the boy reached the jagged rock formation and began his routine descent into the hidden cove. Scrapes and cuts, battle scars, he called them, adorned his arms and legs. Each step and hand movement the boy took was ingrained within his mind. There were no wasted motions and no moments of self-doubt. While he knew it was no substitute for fighting the open sea, he still felt a tiny twinge of pride from being able to tame a place deemed so dangerous by many. After he completed his unseen spectacle, the warm sands greeted him like an affectionate round of applause. It was a feeling he cherished dearly. For a moment, he almost forgot why he had climbed down in the first place. That was until the light blinded him once again from the corner of his eye. As quickly as he turned, the boy saw the culprit right below him. Many times, he had seen the image in his mind when he used to pick up sticks and dueled his friends at the shore, but never before had it left his imagination and entered reality. The boy had seen weapons before, whenever the royal tax collectors forced their unwelcome faces in town, but this was different. Not only was it right there, ripe for the picking, but he almost felt like it called to him. The handle of the sword, its blade, its presence, all of it was unparalleled quality. You could tell. It was a weapon fit for a tale, or even a legend. Once the boy grabbed the sword, another question began crawling in the back of his mind. Where did it come from? He thought. The boy did not even try to swing the blade around to cleave through the imaginary foes for his father's words resonated in his memory. A man's net, like his will, is his own, no one else's. This remarkable piece of steel was not only the castaway in the hidden cove. He kept walking towards the east, taking the sword with him. The boy let a few slashing motions escape him during the search for the blade's owner, but quickly regained his focus. After a few minutes, he caught a glimpse from afar. It reflected no flash of light, but the sight was puzzling enough. The boy had never seen a castaway before in his life. The ocean never returns what it takes. And yet, here lay an exception to these dogmatic thoughts. Approaching the gray-headed anomaly with utmost care, he took the sword and carefully started poking the lying man's trenched leather vest with curiosity. He was careful enough as not to draw blood, but sufficiently persistent to annoy even the most patient of saints. As he repeated the motions, the boy soon noticed cuts and slashes covering the castaway's skin beneath the man's torn pieces of clothing. Some were fresher than others. Battle scars, he said to himself with a sense of amazement he had so dearly missed, connecting dots and letting his imagination run wild. 
pictures flooded in of grandiose, swashbuckling tales, vivified from memory. Ever since he was little, the boy had heard stories of these vicious seafarers, as told by his father. Words varied as much as the tales he remembered. They were adventurers, remorseless killers, free spirits, hunters of treasure, lovers of fine brew and men of the sea. But one definition always trumped the rest. They were all pirates. His reminiscing soon came to a halt, however, once the hundredth poke took place. <gasps> a gasp for breath erupted from the burning sands. And with it rose the castaway. The dirty man turned to face the surprised tormentor. <laughs> the castaway stared at the boy, sand covering his ragged visage, squinting as if the sunlight were a sworn enemy. A second turned into an eternity. It was a standstill with neither side knowing how to react. However, before the gobbled up ball of emotions escaped the boy's mouth, the man had already lost a short-lived battle of wits. Is this hell? Asked the castaway. Strain painted all over his face. The boy could not properly respond to the man's cryptic voice and words, but the castaway promptly and rather ingloriously dropped his head back into the molten sands. <sighs> we want to read your fanfic. Email us at fanramenpodcast at gmail.com. We accept all fandoms. Even obscure ones. We want writers to get more decent exposure. You work hard at your craft, and we are here to bring your stories to life. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is FanRamen. Talk to us. Send us your fix. Send me a sword. Don't do that. Oh, God, send me an aspirin. This is Lindy. This is Ralph. And And we'll we'll see see you the the next next time time you're hungry. Unsigned. Produced by Lindy Day and Ralph Avalon. Sound design and engineering by Kevin Villagestone. Music by Black Ramen. Recorded and mixed in the Black Ramen Studios. <laughs>